Hello everyone and welcome to another mini episode of the Fat for Weight Loss Show. Today I am talking all about electrolytes and nutrition and what sort of electrolytes and nutrition you need when you are going on a run or you're cycling or you're any doing any sort of endurance activity when you're trying to still uh, stick to the ketogenic diet. So fat is a really, really awesome fuel when you are actually, you know, an endurance athlete and it's something that prevents you from being from bonking so what what you know as as you uh, may not know um bonking is a term that is, is sort of describes the feeling when you have completely run out of blood glucose you've completely run out of energy and you hit this wall and so the nutrition that you use uh especially on a high carb sort of um athlete athletic approach uh, can really determine where you actually hit that bonk and whether you're actually going to bonk and and uh, you know part of the benefit of going into a, a ketogenic state and using a high fat diet is that you can effectively avoid that so today I'm going to be talking a little bit about you know the electrolytes and what you should be using whilst you're on a run. What are electrolytes? And then uh, we're going to talk about some of the nutrition that I was using throughout the marathon, uh, and then some of the nutrition that you can use as well, uh, or whether you need nutrition at all. Um, so the, the the first little section now I did a video uh, on this over on my YouTube channel. So if you don't already subscribe to me on YouTube to Fat for Weight Loss, then go ahead and check out the complete guide to electrolytes that will give you a much better in-depth version of what i'm about to sort of describe but this is a you know pretty basic overview of electrolytes so uh, as a nutritional therapist i have you know a lot of experience behind these certain minerals uh, and and a lot of them can sort of balance and you know electrolytes are a very uh you know that you have to balance them pretty well otherwise you will get you know electrolyte imbalances. And so some of the uh, information that I'm going to be describing on this podcast is basically just a shortened version of what is on YouTube at the moment. Um, and then, uh, you know, none of the nutrition stuff is is anywhere else. That is simply just in this little mini episode. So <laughs> uh, it'll, it'll be mini. I'm not sure how many though. So uh, stick with me. And uh, this is going to be a really, really in- informative podcast, especially for those people who are trying to, um, you know, do sports and do whatever it is, uh, but still stick to the ketogenic diet. So, so I'm just going to run through some of the, uh, you know, the basics of electrolytes. So, um, they're electrically charged minerals, and so they allow nerves to travel between, you know, all throughout your body and allow muscles to contract. And that's why you need electrolytes, and you need them to stay hydrated, especially as the ketogenic diet. What happens is you uh, deplete your glycogen levels. And your glycogen levels are your carbohydrate storage in your body. And so when you've effectively depleted all of your glycogen, you no longer have as much water stored in your body. So it's great for weight loss, but in terms of uh, athletic ability, you really need to uh, make sure that you're properly hydrated and you are carrying enough water by introducing these electrolytes into your bloodstream so that your body can tap into that water when it needs it. Because uh, definitely if you're running marathons and things like that, you can't go without water, you can't go without electrolytes. Um, and so a lot of people are, you know, a little bit worried about um, their kidneys and keto. And, you know, uh, one myth is that the high protein diet requires kidneys to work in overdrive, causing loss of water. Uh, but on a low carbohydrate diet, um, you know, and especially the ketogenic diet, the corresponding high protein diet was not harmful for renal function in overweight or, or obese individuals without renal dysfunction. So basically what that means is that um, for anyone who doesn't already have renal dysfunction, uh, your kidneys are not going to be harmed by uh, by the ketogenic diet or 
a high protein diet. Now, obviously, the ketogenic diet is a moderate protein diet, but um, you know, I find that a lot of athletes uh, and a lot of people who are very active can tolerate a little bit more protein than someone who is, uh, you know, just doing keto for weight loss. So I wouldn't be too worried about the protein side of things there. Uh, and and another myth is ketones overwork kidneys due to increased urine acidity. Um, but you know that really only happens in ketoacidosis. And for anyone who knows the ketogenic diet, you've probably heard of the term ketoacidosis, uh, and it's it's a uh, it's something where type two and type one diabetics can actually go into ketoacidosis, and it can be fatal. Um, so I'm not an expert in ketoacidosis, uh, and you can research that elsewhere. But um, you know the the kidneys don't overwork when you're in ketosis um, due to urine acidity because that only happens in ketoacidosis. That's basically the 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 general gist of that there. But but um, you know so with regards to electrolytes, the main building blocks are sodium, magnesium, calcium, and potassium. So a lot of people actually miss calcium as part of an electrolyte. Um, uh, you know, stack, um, and it, it is because it's in our foods a lot. It's in a lot of dairy, um, but it's in also a lot of other foods. So calcium generally isn't a problem for most people. Potassium and magnesium and sodium tend to be more of an issue. Uh, and there's sort of two trains of thought. You can be, you know, ingesting those minerals to compensate for the loss of them, or you can fix the problem of leakages. So in in someone's case, maybe they're low in vitamin D. They might be taking a lot of potassium or taking a lot of sodium or magnesium but because they're low in another mineral it's actually leaking out so um hopefully this this little mini episode sort of covers that but let's start with sodium so it's probably the most uh, important nutrient with regards to electrolytes on the ketogenic diet and it's the most available as well Uh, salt maintains your body's water balance and aids in shuttling nutrients in and out of your cells and prevents dehydration while helps nerve function and used in many muscle contractions around the body sort of what i was talking about at the start of this podcast um but too much potassium can actually reduce your sodium levels. So for anyone who's taking excessive amounts of potassium, and you generally really shouldn't be doing that, um, it can affect your sodium levels. So again, all of this is a balance. Um, but having vitamin D or having sufficient vitamin D in your body will help counteract that. So vitamin D is a promoter of sodium. Um, and, and what happens is that if you drink too much water and you're not ingesting enough electrolytes for your body you will go into what's called hyponatremia and basically that means it's uh, you have too much water you've diluted all of the electrolytes in your body and that can be uh, really really dangerous too um, so, so let's go through magnesium. Uh, it's probably the second most important part of the electrolyte chain in my experience. And magnesium is such a it's it's such a vital nutrient for so many different things: uh, strong bones, healthy teeth, uh, healthy and relaxed muscles, PMS relief, healthy bowel movements. Magnesium is probably the cause of everything that's going wrong in this world maybe maybe not um but high doses of calcium can actually deplete magnesium so if you have an excessive amount of dairy um and you're ingesting a lot of calcium that can actually deplete your magnesium uh which is something that was really interesting but you can get magnesium from whole foods pumpkin seeds sunflower seeds almonds uh, ruiz yeast brazil nuts garlic spinach if you think about anything green it, it generally has a lot of magnesium in it because magnesium is part of the mitochondria inside cells and uh, that is what sort of gives it green color. Uh, so amino acid chelate and citrate are probably the most bioavailable ones, um, you know, bioavailable forms of magnesium if you are going to supplement it. Uh, and it's probably more 
bioavailable than magnesium carbonate or sulfate. Uh, so sufficient zinc and vitamin D, vitamin B1 and B6 are all important to help re retain magnesium levels. So if you find that you have a magnesium deficiency a lot and you're taking plenty of magnesium, make sure that you're getting enough zinc, enough vitamin D and enough of those B vitamins to actually help promote the retention of magnesium. Uh, so that one's really important too. A lot of people take a lot of magnesium but may be losing magnesium in other places. So making sure you've got enough of those minerals to help hold it. Yeah, is important. Uh, so potassium, uh, it enables nutrients to move in and out of cells. It promotes healthy nerves and muscles, relaxes muscles, helps secretion of insulin involved in blood sugar level control. So maintaining a good level of potassium main, uh, helps you maintain a good blood sugar level. Uh, and that can be really important on the ketogenic diet. And that's sort of, sort of why I've stopped here is because blood sugar level control is sometimes one of the main reasons why people go on to the ketogenic diet and why it can be really beneficial for diabetics if they're doing it with their doctor to um, be able to lower their insulin because they've got their blood sugar levels under control. Uh, so potassium also maintains health heart, uh, healthy heart functions and stimulation of gut movements. Um, but uh, you know you shouldn't supplement with magnesium unless you have your doctor's permission as too much can cause cardiac arrest. Now that's around 18,000 milligrams. Um, and so I believe in the States you have Zipfizz, which contains about 1,000 milligrams. And I believe Dr. Eric Berg's electrolyte powder also has about around that. So as long as you're not taking 18 doses of that, you should be okay. But definitely potassium is something to uh, make sure that you're not over supplementing with it because it, it can be quite fatal. Um, and also drinking too much coffee can deplete potassium and magnesium. So for people who love keto coffee and they're drinking four, five, six cups of coffee a day, uh, you're potentially depleting your magnesium and your potassium. Uh, so just make sure you watch out for that one. Consuming excessive sodium also can can decrease your amount of potassium in your body. So again, all of these electrolytes are a bit of a balance uh, and, and consuming excessive salts. Uh, but that's not known on the ketogenic diet. All of this is sort of applied to the high carb diet and the regular diet. So that could potentially be um, a little bit different on the, on the ketogenic diet. But consuming excessive alcohol and having a whole bunch of stress can really lower your potassium levels. Uh, so, so stress is something that people don't talk about um, and excessive exercise can actually be a really big form of someone's stress. Uh, and so, you know, that that is something to take into consideration when you're thinking about potassium. Um, you know, and, and so calcium, the, the last one that we'll look at here is, is you know, <laughs> most people know about calcium because it's been promoted everywhere. Uh, the dairy industry loves to promote that calcium is, is in lots of dairy, which is fine. Um, and it supports strong, healthy bones, teeth and your heart. Uh, it improves your skin, relieves achy muscles. It helps with hormone secretion. Uh, the, the recommended daily intake is easily achieved by consuming cheese or almonds or brewer's yeast or parsley or artichokes or pumpkin seeds or cabbage. Uh, plenty of vegetables in there that do contain calcium as well. So if you're not consuming dairy, uh, making sure you're getting enough pumpkin seeds or artichokes or cabbage or parsley uh, can really help with your calcium. Uh, calcium and magnesium go hand in hand as well as vitamin D. So excessive vitamin D can actually interfere with your absorption of, of calcium. Um, so making making sure you spread these these minerals apart is quite important if you're taking if you're supplementing with them. So I wouldn't be supplementing with calcium and magnesium at the same time. Uh, I wouldn't be um, out in the sun getting a lot of vitamin D and drinking 
<laughs> you know, heavy cream thinking that you're getting all this calcium from your body because um, it, it, that, that's sort of like a, uh, a bit of a weird way to explain it. But that's, that's kind of what you, you need to be thinking about with calcium. Uh, excessive alcohol, lack of exercise, and too much caffeine hinder calcium absorption, um, very much like potassium. So caffeine is something that a lot of people love, but it could be potentially harming your electrolyte balance. So making sure that you are supplementing with these electrolytes on the ketogenic diet can really help avoiding the keto flu, but it also helps athletes because you are using a lot of those electrolytes. So keep all of that in mind when you are uh, trying to get calcium. Um, and, you know, there's this is just a simple electrolyte drink that you can have outside of, uh, you know, outside of running and cycling, um, which is one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, which helps uh, blood sugar control, a teaspoon of lemon juice, a uh, quarter of a teaspoon of salt, so sodium, quarter of a teaspoon of cream of tartar. Now, if you've ever made meringue and you've used cream of cut cream of tartar in there to help bind all of the proteins in the egg whites um, you'll know that uh, it, it also contains potassium and so that can be really helpful now all of this might taste a little bit terrible so adding two drops of stevia extract to start with is a great option but after that you get pretty used to the taste of apple cider vinegar uh, and you can use it with mineral water or soda water or fizzy water uh, wherever you <laughs> whatever you call that in your part of the world um, but yeah that's sort of your homemade electrolyte recipe but uh, when it comes to cycling when it comes to running when it comes to being an endurance athlete it's a little bit harder to actually you know take apple cider vinegar and lemon juice and salt and cream of tartar along with you uh, so companies have come up with some really great uh, electrolyte powders uh, like i was talking about before um, that do contain a, a good amount of each of the electrolytes, but not too much. And so if, if you are doing the ketogenic diet or a low-carb low style diet, uh, you might be wondering if you need to take anything other than water on your training runs. But from experience, I know that two serves of electrolytes per hour However, you should try um, to work out what amounts work for you on your medium runs first. So, you know, all of this, um, I find for me that two serves of the, a, a normal electrolyte powder or a normal electrolyte um, serving sort of gets me through about an hour's worth of, of, of running or cycling. Uh, and cycling, it's much easier to be able to take these electrolytes with you because you've generally got two two bottles with you um, or two bidons. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, with running, it gets a little bit harder because you might have to take a, a belt with the, the bottles in it. Um, uh, you know, so that's what I did when I ran the marathon. But it sort of depends on how long you're running for. So if you're running for an hour, two hours, you might be able to get away with just the water bubble along the way or if you're running a race and you might be able to get, just get away with the aid stations but any longer than that you probably have to start really supplementing with these electrolytes and depending on how hard you are running and fast you are going it's all going to depend so making sure that you try out these electrolyte powders before you actually get into a race is probably the biggest form of advice i would give anyone because you know if you've switched anything on the race day if you've switched the uh the type of shoes the the type of tires that you have on your bike the the type of electrolyte that you have in your bottle in your bottles or um you know whatever you're taking with you uh that can have a huge impact so making sure that you actually train with this sort of stuff so that when you get to the race uh you're pretty well adapted and you're pretty and you know you know maybe some of the ins and outs of 
of what it tastes like and what it might do to your body. So if you live in Australia, like I do, uh, there's a few common brands that can make a great low-carb electrolyte. So uh, Endura have a low-carbohydrate fuel. Now, don't get their normal ones because it contains uh, you know, a, a lot of carbohydrates. And they do that because um, carb, you know, a, a small amount of glucose can actually help draw the electrolytes into your body. Um, but they, you know, what Endura do is they basically just chock it full of sugar and it gives you heaps of energy and you're like, well, those electrolytes were fantastic. <laughs> but, you know, so the low carb version is fantastic. It only has 1.3 grams of carbs. So I've got it here in front of me uh, per dose. And it's got a pretty good, um, you know, amount of electrolytes in it. So the calcium, it's got 200 milligrams or equivalent of 42 milligrams of elemental calcium. So that usually you've got the, the, the mineral that it is and then the uh, elemental equivalent. Um, you know, magnesium, it's got uh, 163 milligrams. Uh, it's got 176 milligrams of sodium. The only problem is Endura low-carb fuel tends to go for about $25 for a tub and the size of the tub is pretty small so I don't know whether anyone uh, from Australia has sort of looked at the low-carb fuel um, but it, it's pretty small and for $25 it's, it is pretty expensive. So there's other options. There's the High Five Zero um, and they come... I, I don't like the taste of them. Uh, they taste very strange um, but you know some people really like that. There's also Noon Hydration as well here in Australia. All of these electrolytes can get quite expensive so to sort of compensate for that you can uh, if you have maybe some powdered magnesium uh, some uh, some salt some really fine sea salt then you can use that or Himalayan uh, pink sea salt you can use that instead and sort of opt to uh, just use magnesium and, and sodium and forget about the potassium and calcium for the time being um, but you know if you live in America then th there's some other common options for you as well so Dr. Berg's electrolyte powder there's zip fizz there's noon hydration as well and there's keto lights and I, I believe perfect keto also have um, electrolyte tablets depending on how well you actually go with tablets you might be able to crack them open I, I, I've never used those ones before um, but you know it it, it can be something that you can use now if uh, and what i was saying before is that there is a salt called diet salt or new salt that is available in most stores and and they created that product basically uh, for people who couldn't have too much sodium and <laughs> when they uh when they were going through it's like oh what what are causing heart attacks what you know high blood pressure blah 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 salt is a big problem for that and so let's reduce the amount of salt and and fill it out with with um, potassium and so what diet salt or new salt is is it's half sodium half potassium the only problem is and i don't know how much of this is in there but the anti-caking agent i believe it's four five five um or one of the anti-caking agents in there is actually aluminium uh so be careful of that one i really don't know what that because aluminium is a heavy metal and not the good kind now i haven't done too much research into that but you know uh, diet salt and new salt is being promoted like crazy at the moment because it is a cheap option but it does have aluminium in it and i'm not sure what that aluminium is going to do for you. Um, 
So, so there's a few, you know, if, if any of the brands that I mentioned there are not available in your country, then there's a few rules that you can sort of apply to electrolytes. So <clears throat> does it contain multidextrin, sugar, honey, malt extract, fructose, any of those types of sugars, then it's not suitable. Um, you know, they love to fill out things like electrolyte powders with dextrose and multidextrin because it, it keeps the, the elements, you know, the, the minerals separated um, in the packaging, but you know it's terrible on the ketogenic diet because that's essentially going to kick you out of ketosis, stop you from burning fat, you'll start burning your glucose, and you'll run out of fuel. Um, so uh, number two, is it lower than two grams of carbs per serve? Uh, if you if there's a whole bunch of ingredients on there and you really don't know what you're looking for, then is it lower than two grams of carbs per serve? Because it is, then it's generally suitable. Some brands like the Electrolyte, uh, the Endura Endurance. Sorry, the Endura low carb fuel that I've got here is uh, 1.3 grams of carbs. So uh, that's generally not going to kick you out of ketosis if you are, you know, exercising. So you, you, you're burning through a lot of fat and that amount of carbohydrates is not going to do much. Uh, but again, find a flavor that you like and try it out many, many, many times before your race because you don't want to change your routine on race day because of uh, risk of GI distress, nausea, and uh, flavor overload. You know, all of that sort of stuff can really lead to um, not only a poor race, but you can actually lead yourself to dehydration uh, because if you're not drinking the water because you don't like the taste of the electrolytes, and that can be a real problem. Um, so there's another section uh, that I want to talk about, and that is the nutrition side of uh, cycling or running or any type of endurance events. And uh, you know, this nutrition aspect is is important, um, but it's only important up to a certain you know a, a certain distance. So. If you are eating a ketogenic or low-carb style of diet, you may be wondering if you need to actually ingest any fuel with you at all. Um, from my experience, the runs that are longer than 15 k's or 9 miles in distance, you might need to take something to stabilize your blood sugar levels. I have, uh, you know, have had these types of nutritional things with me around the halfway mark of long runs, and they work out pretty well. Uh, on the longer runs, I suggest making some type of nut butter and buying some reusable food pouches to keep it in uh, and a few suggestions on different runs uh, or different nuts that you might be uh, be able to use these or nut butters are like almond, cashews, macadamia nuts. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of walk you through the, the process of creating those nut butters, but you can actually buy nut butters as well. I believe F-Bomb do nut butter packets and there's a whole bunch of brands out there that do uh, nut butters. But what a lot of people do is, uh, and, and actually, so there are a few other brands. There's the Justin's uh, Classic Almond Butter, the F-Bomb Nut Butter, which I said about before, Yum Butter and Artesian Foods Almond Butter as well. Um, those ones aren't really available here in Australia, so we make our own, or I make my own, and it can get really expensive. So something like, you know, you can get Justin's Classic Almond Butter, um, but you have to order it off iHerb, and it ends up being like 2 or 3 or $4 a packet uh, for about 35 grams of of nut butter, which maybe is like a tablespoon. So it's it gets pretty expensive. Um, or you can buy, uh, you know, nut butter from Coles, Woolworths or Aldi, and you can just fill it up in your own pouches. So what I've actually bought is I bought, they're like um, little baby, <laughs> baby food resealable pouches. Uh, and I got ones that you can sort of roll up or you can put them in the back of your shirt or, you know, stuff them in your pocket or something. And they've just got a little reusable uh, nozzle on it. 
And I used those throughout the marathon where I was, uh, I probably had one at about the 10k mark and then i had one at the 20 and then i I probably had quite a few and what you can do is you can jam them full of a lot of salt as well which really helps or i've i found it helped for me um but you know all of these things uh you know you can really easily make almond butter by just putting 355 grams or 10 ounces of almonds 60 mils of mct oil so two ounces and a teaspoon of salt you blend that all in a food processor and it comes out really really delicious Uh, You can do the same thing with cashews, so about 500 grams of roasted cashews, two tablespoons of coconut oil, four tablespoons of MCT oil, two teaspoons of salt. Uh, That recipe works really, really well. Macadamia nuts, now they're obviously a little bit more fatty, so probably a better option, but they are more expensive. So 400 grams of macadamia nuts or 13 ounces, two tablespoons of coconut oil, four tablespoons of MCT oil, and two teaspoons of salt. Uh, they That goes down really, really well as well in a, in a food blender. Now, you can separate that out when you make it, or you can just keep it in a jar and put it into the containers as you go. Um, but that's sort of the, the nutrition that I, that I would recommend for those types of runs. Now, there is a version of um, the ketogenic diet, which is called targeted ketosis. And I'll talk about that just for a little bit because I think it is really important to understand that you don't have to be, you know, strictly carbohydrate, uh, sorry, uh, strictly ketogenic when you are doing these types of things because generally what happens and i've seen this done a lot is that um you know elite athletes like zach bitter will actually eat a really low carb or a ketogenic diet all throughout training and then use uh, use carbs really really effectively throughout a run to make sure that the glycogen levels are still topped up uh, and that you're not going to hit a big wall and so generally what Zach Bitter might do is that he'll have a maybe a hundred calories of, of carbohydrates each hour to keep that that tank filled up um, but now keep in mind that that Zach Bitter is running a uh, hundred miles in 12 hours and so he's running incredibly fast and so he is tapping into a lot of a lot of stored energy um, I probably w- wouldn't recommend ca- targeted ketosis for the everyday person just getting out there trying to get fit um, because it's a it's a totally different ball game. If you're trying to really race hard and you've been training for a long time um, and you've uh, you know sort of got that philosophy where you can train low and race high, then being out of ketosis while you're you know in the activity. Uh, generally means that you'll probably be back into ketosis by the time you've finished. And I've seen this with a lot of cyclists as well, Uh, you know, definitely during time trials and things like that where you are hitting the absolute max for a very, very long time is that you can ingest some carbohydrates with you along that road uh, until you get to the end. And so making sure that you actually taper off towards the end and uh, cutting the carbohydrates off when you finish uh, can put you back into ketosis after that. So the reason why you want to be in ketosis, you know, throughout all of this, um, well, throughout running and throughout cycling and all of that is because it is very, very anti-inflammatory. It's the probably the one of the most anti-inflammatory diets out there, um, especially if you try and eliminate dairy as well. That's a whole nother topic. Um, <laughs> and uh, you're not getting this buildup of inflammation from the excessive sugar, uh, the excessive amount of carbohydrates that people tell you to carb load with. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really important to be able to try out a low-carb or a ketogenic way of 
doing these types of things generally because you're going to feel much, much better throughout your training, but you're also going to come out with very minimal injuries. Uh, and, and so uh, I, I hope all of the information inside this podcast has been really informative. Um, that's sort of my take on electrolytes and nutrition. If you have any other takes or if you have any other questions, please uh, get in contact with me. Um, all of the links inside this what I've been talking about will be in the description of this podcast. So whatever app you use for your podcast, then swipe left and you should be able to or swipe right. Or uh, This isn't Tinder. <laughs> this is a podcast app. Um, and so you want to make sure that you get the links for any of the products that I've mentioned. Um, it'll, it should all be in the show notes there. Um, and all of this is actually uh, based out of the training plan that I put together for the half marathon and the full marathon. So all of this information is in that program there as well. Um, and you know, for anyone who is interested in doing uh, ketogenic endurance or keto endurance, as I like to call it, uh, then get in contact with me because I really love creating a community around this stuff. And you know, I, this was how I got into ketosis. And so uh, a lot of these podcast episodes are based around losing weight and based around you know optimizing for the ketogenic diet but this is my wheelhouse this you know endurance activity or endurance exercises is my jam and so if anyone out there uh is also in that same same sort of community then then come and say hi or send me a message or send me an email whatever that is whatever that means to you uh go and do it so uh, again i hope you got some really great information out of this podcast i love talking about this sort of stuff next week we'll be talking about recovery so what you should be doing after a big run or after a big cycle or after a triathlon or whatever that is uh, and it's probably something that you're not used to doing and it's it's the opposite of what you should be doing on a high carb diet um, and we can sort of talk about that a little bit uh, but again you know <laughs> i'm going to wrap up this podcast now thank you very much for listening and i will be seeing you in the very next episode the next episode coming out this sunday will be with jimmy moore and christine moore and we'll talk about real food keto uh, and you know all about their new book and all about using the ketogenic diet with real food so make sure you listen in for that episode and i will be talking to you very very soon thank you so much for listening if you loved this podcast make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives if you could do one small act of kindness for today i would greatly appreciate a review from you it's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes until next week